I'm excited to be talking to you guys tonight. We've been doing, um, let's, let's calm it down again. Let's calm it down again. Um, we've been going through a series in Matthew. Um, and it's, it's been so good, guys. Uh, we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven um, or the kingdom of God and, and what that looks like and how we participate in that as um, people who are image bearers of Christ, right? Um, so it's just been so good. We've had our interns speaking this this quarter too. Our first year interns. Can we give them a hand? They've just done. Some of them aren't here, but they've just done. They've done an amazing job. So we're we're proud of them. We're excited. We've learned a lot from them. Um, so I'm excited to be closing out that that series. Um, but first, can I tell you guys a story? Okay. Um, so my lovely wife Maggie. I mentioned her before. Um, she's right there. Raise your hand so everyone knows. That's my wife. She's awesome. Um, so Saturdays are usually pretty chill for us, right? Um, we get a chance to go hiking sometimes, but it's also a day that we get to get some stuff done around the house. Um, and so there was a couple of months ago when I had had a pretty late morning. I'd slept in. I don't know what was going on Friday night, but I slept in. Maggie gotten up a little early, gotten gotten right to work on some of the chores, um, did some laundry, cleaned the living room. Was just She's a productive person, so she just got right to it. Um, so w- when I was getting up, she was eating breakfast um, and getting ready to go to her classroom. She's a teacher in town, if you didn't know that. So she's going to go to her class or classroom and work on some stuff. Ryan's excited about that. Um, uh, and so I was getting up, and I was just kind of having a lazy sa- Saturday morning. It was great. Um, and so, naturally, as she was leaving, we, we share the chores pretty equally um, in our house. And so, she would gotten some stuff done. And so, naturally, she asked, like, hey, can you clean the kitchen and the bathroom as I'm gone, when I'm gone, um, before, we, before I get back? So then, when I get back, we can go hang out and have fun the rest of the day. Um, and so, I was like, yeah, of course, I'll do that. Um, and so, as she was leaving, I was kind of just getting my coffee and re- starting to read my book for, like, a lazy Saturday morning kind of thing, right? If you don't know, I'm into, um, like, high fantasy and sci-fi books. Um, thank you. Brandon was asking me early, earlier how I'm a nerd, because everyone's got a little nerd in him, and so that's how I'm a nerd, Brandon. I, I read sci-fi fantasy books. Um, and I was really into this one. I was reading, it was, it was the Recluse series. It's like a magic series. Um, it was pretty cool. But I was really into it. And so I sat down, Maggie left, um, and I was like, okay, I can like read my book for an hour. And it's really comfy. I'm, I'm feeling good here. I'll, I'll read for an hour, and then I'll start working on the stuff that I need to do. Um, and so I start reading. I'm getting into it. An hour later, I look at the clock. And I'm like, okay, it's been an hour but I'm, like, getting to a good part in this book. It's feeling good. I'm still comfy on my couch. And so I was like, okay, a few more chapters. Um, And then three and a half hours later, (laughs) I hear Maggie pull into our gravel driveway. I, like, poke my head over the couch. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) So I run to the kitchen, and I start doing dishes as fast as I can and, like, putting them in the drying rack. Like, okay, I got to get as many as I can done. Make it look like I at least did something while she was gone. <laughs> and she comes in. And she's like, Nate, did you just get up to start doing ki- dishes just because you saw me pull up in the driveway? <laughs> oh, busted, guys. I was so busted. I said, yes, that's exactly what I did. Oh, 
And like, okay, so Maggie's, one of her love languages is acts of service. And so, of course she's bummed. And of course, I just like snubbed her love language and could have made her feel like cared for in this way. And I didn't. And she had made it very clear, like that was the expectation. So then we could go do stuff. So not only was she bummed and I was bummed and then I had to keep doing chores when we could have been hanging out. So it was just no good. But I tell you this story. Um, because uh, tonight we're going to be reading a chapter in Matthew um, where um, Jesus gives us a warning not to get caught up in this kind of situation when he returns to earth. Um, So if the Bible pastors could come up, if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand and we'll get you a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, most of you know the drill. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to have a Bible. So just take it home with you. Um, And as they're doing that, I'm going to pray. Oh, Lord God, thanks so much that we get to get into your word and learn from you. Um, I pray that you'd really speak to us tonight. Lord, would you speak through me? Um, Would you open our hearts to hear from you tonight? Um, Yeah, and would would we change our lives because of what we've heard? Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, in your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. Awesome. Matthew 24. I'm just going to read the first four verses real quick. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay, so what are Jesus and the disciples talking about? I think it's most helpful for us um, to get some Old Testament background and look at this passage from the perspective of the Jews that would have been hearing this, right? Jesus' disciples were Jews. Um, so we, we want to know what they were thinking when they heard this. Um, so if you could cut, put your finger on the Matthew passage, we're going to turn to Daniel chapter 7. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So this is a prophetic vision from Daniel. And this was the promise of God to send a Messiah, a Savior, who would establish the kingdom of God and restore humanity and all the earth back to its intended and original state. I call this God's rescue mission for the world. Jesus called this the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Now, Michael talked about this at the very beginning of our series this quarter. He talked about the kingdom of heaven, um, Jesus' idea of kingdom of heaven. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 28, it says that we are created to bear the image of God here on earth and to reflect all of his goodness and glory. 
But we as humanity chose to reject God, right, and to do our own thing. So God sent a Messiah, Jesus, to redeem humanity and the world and to bring the right rule of God back to earth. Okay, you guys still with me? Awesome. This is, this is all good background knowledge that we need to know. So this is the hope of the kingdom of heaven, right? The world and humanity restored to this right relationship with God. This is the hope. This was the hope of the Jews in that in Jesus's day, and this is the hope of the followers of Jesus today. Now we're going to go to another prophecy in Daniel, um, where Daniel talks about the beginning of the end times, or um, that the coming of the Messiah would start with the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem. Um, th- and so that's what Jesus is referring to in this Matthew passage when he says that not one stone will be left on another. Um, and then later on in, in chapter 24, um, in verse 15, he quotes Daniel referring to the abomination that causes desolation. That phrase is a direct um, quote from Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 and 27. I don't have it up here, um, but write that down. Daniel nine twenty-four to 27. Um, Daniel delivers a prophecy that Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed again. So at, in Daniel's time, um, the, the temple and Jerusalem has already been destroyed, and the people of God are scattered. Um, they, they were invaded by this nation um, and scattered, and the, the temple destroyed already when, when Daniel f- is prophesying this. Um, and so Daniel provides this chronology by which certain events are going to occur. He says, first, the Jews would return from captivity and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Um, And then afterwards, an anointed one or a Messiah would appear, but he would be rejected. Then Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed again before the Messiah would finally restore the kingdom of God. So this is this timeline that Daniel um, prophesies for us, right? Um, That's a lot to know, I know. Um, But this is the knowledge, this is the background knowledge that the Jews and the disciples that Jesus is talking to would have come into this conversation with. Um, And this is why, so when Jesus mentions that not one stone will be left on another, they know exactly what he's talking about. They're thinking, okay, that Daniel prophecy, um, the temple is going to be destroyed. And they know, okay, that means this, that is going to be the end, the beginning of this end. That's going to be the beginning of um, this final return of, of, of the Messiah, right? Um, and so I, I, I wish I had time to read through this whole chapter with you and go like verse by verse through it because there's just tons of stuff in this chapter. Um, but I'm going to summarize some of it and then I'm going to emphasize other parts. Um, so the first part that I'm going to su- summarize, let's go back to chapter 24. Let's turn there again so you guys can look with me. Um, verses four, 4 through 14 is what we're going to look at right now. I'm just going to summarize it um, in my own words. Um, and this this part is an answer, Jesus' answer to the disciples' questions about the end times and the signs that are coming, that it's coming. Um, and so s- here's some of the things he says. Uh, follow with me in chapter 24, verses 4. So in verse 4, Jesus talks about false messiahs arising, people claiming to be in his name, claiming to be messiahs, um, but they aren't. Um, in ver- verse 5 and 6, it says that in this time there, there will be many wars. In verses 7 and 8, it says that there's going to be famines and earthquakes and natural disasters that are occurring. 
in chapter 9, it talks about uh, that the disciples and the followers of Jesus will be persecuted. In verse 10, it says that some of these believers will stumble and even depart from the faith. In verse 11, it says that false prophets will be prevalent. Um, There's going to be people saying a lot of things that aren't true. Um, And then in verse 14, it says that the gospel will, will be published far and wide. Oh, sorry, I misskipped verse 13. Verse 13, it says that those who endure in this time will be delivered. And then verse 14, it says the gospel will be published far and wide. So do a lot of these sound familiar to what we're going through as believers? So these sound pretty familiar, right? Um, I think Jesus warns his disciples It will not be easy. Before I come back, it's not going to be easy. These are going to be rough times. This is going to be a difficult time. Um, I want to mention to you guys that that this passage is one of the more deeply studied and argued over passages in the Bible because it talks about the end times. Many Christians seek to use this scripture and the prophetic scriptures of Daniel Um, to reach conclusions about timing and specifics about what's going to happen when Jesus comes back um, to fully restore the kingdom of God. Um, There are a lot of theories and predictions about when it's going to happen, even specific geopolitical events that are signs that the end is coming. Um, And many Christians have proclaimed to know that the day day that Jesus is coming back, um, based on symbols and things that they read in Scripture, I want to encourage you um, not to get caught up in that. I think they're, they're valuable things to, to look into and read about, um, but I encourage you not to get caught up in that. I think that many of these people claiming to know what's going on, right, they're just people chasing vain pursuits and trying to get attention. So please don't, don't ca- get caught up in that. Because I, I assure you that that is not the purpose of this text is to know what's going, like, when's, when's it going to happen? When's he's coming back, right? Jesus gives the disciples a warning of what to expect before he returns, not so that they can be the ones to predict when it's going to happen, but so that as the chosen followers of Jesus and image bearers of Christ, they would be fully equipped and prepared to live out their task to completion. I'm going to re- read that again. So he says all these things. He warns them what to expect, not so that they can be the ones to predict what's happening, but so that as the chosen followers of Jesus and image bearers of Christ, they would be fully equipped and prepared to live out their task to completion. Jesus says in verse 36 of this chapter, um, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. No one knows when Jesus is coming back. Not even Jesus knew. He says, only the Father knows. So why try to figure it out? It's pointless. I think he makes it pretty clear not to, right? That is not the point of Jesus saying these things. So what is the purpose of this passage? I think besides warning his followers that it's going to be hard during this time, I think Jesus is giving a perspective to the Jewish disciples of the big picture 
and reminding them of their role or their purpose as Jesus followers. So to see this, um, we're going we're gonna to compare that passage in Daniel that we looked at, Daniel chapter 7, with the passage here in chapter 24 of Matthew in verse 30. So we have Daniel chapter 7 up there. I'm going to read it. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is, is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So this passage in Daniel is one of celebration and hope from the Jewish perspective, right? It starts saying that the Son of Man comes from the heavens, okay? It says that this messianic figure is given all authority, glory, and power that is rightfully due to the God of the universe. And all the people of the world are going to unite and worship him. Then it says that his kingdom will never pass away or be overthrown. He will reign forever. This is as the world, this is the world as it should be. This is the hope that we were talking about earlier tonight. This passage is one of hope and joy for the Jewish people. Now, let's compare that to Matthew 24, verse 30. It says, Then will, ap- Excuse me. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Okay, so Son of Man comes from the heavens. Right on. That's tracking with the Daniel passage. And the Son of Man will receive great glory and power. Okay, we're still tracking. But wait, all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man. What's that about? Why why would I say that? I think the difference um, is that all the people of the earth here in this passage implies all of the worldly people or those who are not in the kingdom of God, but who are in the kingdom of the world. The tone here drastically changes from the passage we looked at before. And I think it's to point out two responses to Jesus coming back to earth. When Jesus returns, people respond, people will respond with either great joy or great sorrow. For those who are followers of Jesus, who are in the kingdom of heaven, it is great joy because they have received redemption found in Jesus and look forward to being in the fully realized of kingdom of God forever. This world as it was at creation for the rest of eternity. What a joyous thing. What a thing to rejoice about. But for those who are of the world, who don't know or have rejected Jesus, they have not received the redemption offered in Jesus. They will realize the devastating mistake they have made as they see the glory of God's kingdom and know that they will not be a part of it. And this is cause for great sorrow. 
Does that bring those two responses into perspective? So, if Jesus comes today, what would be your response? Would it be one of great joy? Would it be one of great sorrow? I think Jesus shares this passage because it's not just those that miss the kingdom of God that will be sad. Jesus shares that sorrow more than any of us. At the same time, as he's rejoicing for those who will be with him for eternity, his heart breaks for those who won't. Because God's heart is that all would come to know him and be saved. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness to be. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's Jesus' heart for this world, that all would come to know him. And I think that is part of why Jesus shares this big picture perspective with his disciples, and so with us. He's reminding us of our purpose as Jesus followers, right? Like we, w- like we weren't learned from Michael in Genesis 1, 26 and 28. As followers of Jesus, we are image bearers of God. Our purpose is to show the world what the kingdom of God looks like. As we let God redeem us and make us more like him, he will use us to make the world around us more like the kingdom of God. And as we do, we get to invite others into the redemption and hope of the kingdom of God. So, how are you doing at being an image bearer of God? And are you inviting others into the kingdom of heaven? If that's our purpose as Jesus followers, how are you doing with that? Um, Let's read the last part of this passage in Matthew together. Um, So we're in Matthew 24, verse 45 through 51. It says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on will come on a day when he is not expecting him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This story sounds a lot like the story I shared earlier tonight, doesn't it? Like the wicked servant, I was unfaithful to the task that was given to me, and I was caught unaware wishing I had been doing what I knew I should have been. As servants of the Lord, Jesus is warning us not to be caught unaware, but to remain faithful to the task that is given us. I think there's a reason Jesus warns us that this time before he returns is going to be hard, that some people will stumble, 
or lose their faith or that the love of some will grow cold. But Jesus says, don't give up. I know it's hard, but don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not let us, um, do not let us become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Jesus says, don't give up. We must live our lives as if Jesus may come back at any time. Because he will. We don't know, right? We don't know when he's coming back. So we must live our lives as if we don't know. As if he could come back at any time. So, how are you doing at imaging God with your non-Christian friends? How about in the way that you use alcohol? How about in the way that you use your computer when no one else is around? How about in the way that you look um, and think about people of the opposite sex? How about in your study habits? How about in the way that you relate to your parents? How about in the way you relate to your roommates? We must live our lives as if Jesus may come back at any time. (coughs) And we're motivated to do this, not just because there are eternal consequences, but because when the time comes, we want to hear these precious words from our Father. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The worship team can start coming up. Um, And I have some reflection questions for us. The first one, how would you respond if Jesus came back today? Would you respond with great joy or great sorrow? And if sorrow, man, I invite you. (laughs) The The Lord's arms are open wide. He is so welcoming to you. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you with him for the rest of eternity. If you want to respond in great joy um, and don't feel like you would at this point, um, yeah, I invite you to just pray to the Lord tonight. Maybe grab someone next to you and pray with them. Next question. How are you doing at being an image bearer of Jesus? Or sharing with others and inviting them into the kingdom of God. And last question. When are specific times that you find yourself struggling to be an image bearer of Jesus? If we're to be living our lives as if Jesus may come back at any time, what are those times that you hope he doesn't come back? (laughs) Right? What are the times in the day we're like, oh, okay. That'd be rough if Jesus came back then. Um, the worship team's gonna gonna start playing real quick in, in a little bit, but um, yeah, I encourage you to just keep thinking through these questions, um, and you'll have some time to talk to to someone next to you in a little bit.
after a couple songs, but keep keep reflecting on those.